0: Uh, If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, and we're going to be in chapter 24. All right, so that's a little bit of a change. Today and next next week, we are going to interrupt our series. We've been going through the book of Acts, uh, and we're going to interrupt it here for two weeks and and look at something else. All right, if you are newer to our church, something that runs deep in our DNA is kind of this, this idea and this question of what type of impact. are we having on the world around us? Like this is something that we want to ask as individuals, as Christians, like each one of you, myself, like what type of impact am I having? We want to ask this about our church as a whole as well. What type of impact are we having? Uh, We see in Scripture that God has called us not just to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, like maybe you recognize that from the Lord's Prayer. We are called to pray for that. But beyond that, uh, we are actually called to be part of making that a reality for our world. All right, Christians have often thought of eternity uh, in regards to this idea, or and not even Christians, just the world. Like when we think of eternity, have thought of it in, in regards to this idea of like heaven and floating around in clouds with harps and angels and robes, right? Like that's kind of this like idea that, that has permeated our culture. The reality is that's not the picture that we are given in scripture. The picture that we are given is of God redeeming his creation, of life being the way that God had originally intended it back when he created everything, back in the beginning. And when Jesus came and was teaching, he talked about this idea often. He referred to it as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. All right, And what Jesus taught is that we can actually start to move in that direction now. Like We don't need to wait until someday after death Uh, That we can start to make this broken creation look more like how it was supposed to, right now. All right, and this was the main part of Jesus' ministry: was teaching and modeling how to live in this new kingdom. All right, and it is what we are still called to be doing today. So, something that we do at River of Life Church, uh, we call it this: Kingdom Builders. All right, it's kind of following this idea of the kingdom of God. Uh, it, it is part of our financial giving as a church, and it would encompass what most Christians would think of as, as missions giving, uh, but really it's more than just that as well. All right, and all of our kingdom builders giving that comes into our church, every penny of it goes right back out. Uh, and eventually, uh, as a church, like we, we want this to be something that we are just giving way more than we ever could think that we could give. And we choose to actually give away 10% of the tithe, the general fund that comes into our church. We give 10% of that away right away to missions as well, supporting missionaries. Uh, And then this on top of that. Uh, And that's kind of a super brief description of something big that we do here. All right, We have past sermons that have talked about that. You can go back and find those. Uh, You can ask me questions. We have booklets that detail every spot that we're giving money to this year. And we are actually hoping that in 2022... Uh, as a church, to be giving away to Kingdom Builders about a quarter of a million dollars, about two hundred fifty thousand. That that that's that's kind of our goal. I think actually we said that our goal was two hundred thousand, but I think we are on pace to outgive that. So when that happens, you're just like, hey, let's let's do more, let's give away more. Like we want to be uh, generous, all right. And while our Kingdom Builders is broken into three categories, global, which is uh, things are just happening around the world, and we spent time in March. Looking at that, talking about that. Uh, And then we have local, which we're going to talk about in September. All right, And that's projects and organizations that would be based in the U.S., in Minnesota, in Long Prairie, Sauk Center, this area. And then we have the last one, which we would call future. And this isn't like out in the future, things that are going to happen. Future actually is in regards to our future generations. All right, so this is like kids and teens. We want to see the next generation succeed. We want to see them move forward. We want to see them discover their purpose and to chase after it with all that they have. All right, and this week and next week, we are going to interrupt our sermon series for just those weeks to talk about this next generation and why this matters and what you and I can and probably should be doing to have an impact on them. All right, sound good? I don't care. We're doing it anyways. I have the microphone. All right, but let's do this. Let's just kind of prepare ourselves, be open uh, to let God move in us, to, to draw us in and, and even change our hearts today, all right? So if you would, would you stand with me this morning uh, across the room? If you're, if you're able to stand. If you're not, that's totally fine. Uh, and, and before I open us in prayer, I want to say this. Uh, th- this week was rough for me. And I don't really fully know why. Uh, but I think it's really important that when we walk into church, that we walk into church and we stand before God as honestly as we can. Uh, that, that's just incredibly important for us to do. And my honesty this morning before God is just like, I'm, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm in one of those spots this week where I'm just like, this, this has been hard. It's been really hard, and I know that with the tragedy in Texas with the elementary like this probably has hit uh, everybody in the room. But it, I just I, I'm struggling, and I, I can't sleep this week. I struggled to put a message together and, and just spend time focusing and, and pulling things together. And 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 I'm not saying this so it's like come up to me afterwards and talk about this. I'm saying this because it's so important that when we come to God. We don't put on a mask, and we don't try and pretend like everything's all right when it isn't, and we just stand before God honestly and say, here I am, here's all my junk, all the things I'm struggling with, and God, I just, I, I need you in this moment to, to be my strength because I can't do this on my own, and so I, I wanted to just kind of say this as, as we uh, move forward here this morning, like, just to be honest and say I'm, I'm not at 100%, and that's okay. And there's actually nowhere I would rather be than with my church family. When I gather together and and when I'm not at 100%, like this is where I want to be. All right, so just I'll I'll say this. In the future, if you're ever having a rough week, don't think I can't go to church because I have to have all my stuff together and I have to be able to put that smile on and and walk through the doors. Like that's not what this is. What Sunday is, is us gathering together and being honest and open and saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life and and God, I, I need you. All right, that's what this time is. And so I just wanted to, to take a moment and kind of just be upfront about that. And, and you may even walk away today and be like, yeah, I can tell that sermon wasn't good. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know, that's, that's fine. <laughs> because we just we gather together, we focus on God and we have each other to encourage each other. And, and so I just, I want to pray. I want to open us up with this. Um, and, and I want us just to be in a spot where we are, we're honest and we are open with God. So Jesus, Right now, I need you. And I know I'm not the only one. God, we want to come to you as honestly as we can this morning. Because I think when we do that, Lord, it allows you to actually work in our lives and to actually deal with whatever it is that's going on and to help kind of move us forward and move to a place of healing. So God, I pray that this morning would be that time of healing. It would be a time where we can just spend with you, Lord, and and we can be refreshed in your presence, God. And we can be refreshed inside of this community where we can be open. Jesus, we, we ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So I said I wanted to talk about what we can do to have an impact on this next generation. I actually had the privilege of working specifically with teenagers for about seven years uh, as a youth pastor. My bachelor's degree is in youth ministry. That was kind of my focus. I love our younger generations. I believe in them, and I think that they are going to do absolutely huge, massive things. With that, I think that any generation should be asking the question, uh, what sort of impact am I having on the generation that would follow me? Because every one of us will have an impact, the question is, what type of impact are you having? Like, you don't get to have a choice. If, if you're in the room and you're like, I'm not a parent, I'm not around teenagers, it doesn't matter. Like, you are having an impact on the next generation. And I think that question of, like, what type or what can I do, it's a common question. Everyone, for the most part, wants to do something that matters with their life. We all want to make a difference. Uh, the word that comes to my mind is this, legacy, legacy. Right? Like legacy is leaving something behind, hopefully something that lasts longer than our individual lives. But we live in a pretty selfish and, and prideful culture, so I think that legacy can very easily get mixed up with fame, alright? And, and, and we want to have an impact and we want to make a difference, but it comes back to the asking the question, like, Why? Why do I want to have it? Is it because we actually want to make the world uh, a better place? We want to have an impact on people? Or is it more because we want our name to be remembered? All right, and that's two different things. So I'm not a super sentimental person, and I'm not great at remembering things, and I'm a little ashamed to say this this morning, but I, I can't with 100% certainty say any of the names of my great-grandparents. And some of you are like, that is so sad. I'm like, I know. I, I'm sorry. I'm not, like, I'm trying to think. I believe I had a great-grandma, Anna. But I'm, I think it, that rhymes. So I might just be, like, thinking that. Like, I think I had a great-grandma, Anna. Now, before you think I'm an, a terrible person, I'm the youngest grandchild on one side, second youngest on the other. There was only one of my great-grandparents that was still alive Well, I was alive, and she passed away, and I think that's the great-grandma Anna, when I was young, like too young to really remember anything. All right, my wife, Emily, she'd be way better at these types of things. She can probably trace back names in her family a ways. Uh, But as I was thinking about this, like my kids won't really remember my great-grandparents, their great-great-grandparents, because I barely do. All right, and isn't it weird to think that in a matter of a few generations— No one on earth will probably remember your name. Isn't that kind of weird to think of? Like you spend so much time invested in yourself and your life and all these things to think that in a few generations, it might completely be gone. Now, we have the internet, so things are going to stick around. I think future generations will be able to trace these things better. you know. And the internet, things last forever. Like 200 years from now... My MySpace page will still be on the internet, even though I don't want it on the internet, because I don't know the password, and I don't have access to my email from middle school, so it is still on the internet, and it will be on the internet for generations upon generations, whether I want it to or not. All right, but like for the most part, things like just disappear. All right, Uh, but if we aren't really remembered, in like a prideful ego type driven society like that that's probably hard for us but I want to challenge us today that there's something far more important than our name being remembered all right when we look at scripture uh, there are some names from the old testament that are constantly remembered and pointed to we have Abraham who's like the father of nations he started this whole covenant with God uh, and he is spoken of often is held in high regard all sorts of things his son Isaac Kind of the promised son to Abraham, all these different things he is talked about often. Uh, Isaac's son Jacob, who ends up getting his name changed to Israel. All right, and this gives way to the Israelites, God's chosen people. Then we hear things like the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Like we hear those names. We have Moses, who is this larger-than-life character that leads the Israelites uh, out of slavery in Egypt receives the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, parts of the Red Seas, right? Like, he, he, he has this big thing. And I'm not sure if Moses' legacy or Charlton Heston's legacy is bigger. I'm going to be honest. Because as I'm talking about Moses right now, you guys are picturing Charlton Heston, right? You know, walking with these big, you know, stones and all these things. But they have, like, these big legacies. We have King David and all the stories of him and Solomon and his sons. And, 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 and there's some pretty major legacies left in the Old Testament. Names that were remembered and talked about for thousands of years, Uh, but I, I don't want to talk about any of them, any of those main people. All right, I want to talk about Joshua. I want us to look at his story a little bit and why I think he's a better model for us at times when it comes to leaving a legacy. All right, Joshua is a character that, I mean, he is remembered. There's a book of the Bible that is named after him. But it it definitely has a different feel. Like I don't think when we think of like Old Testament heroes, that he's probably not in the top five that come into our mind. All right, and Joshua shows up uh, in the story way before his book in the Bible. All right, and and Joshua actually would have been born in Egypt as a slave. Uh, And he would have been there when they escaped, and he would have crossed the Red Sea. He would have been part of manna coming down and being fed in the desert and water bursting out of a rock and and all these things. What I want to do is I want to quickly look at his story and where he kind of shows up and then just kind of say, like, I I think this is is a better direction for us to focus our lives usually. All right, because it it just leaves less room for our personal human pride to kind of get in the way. All right, so Joshua, uh, he became like an assistant to Moses. And we see them in the background at different times. In Exodus 17, uh, there's a story where Moses raises his hands. And th- this passage will be, I'm going to list off some different passages. They're going to be on the screen behind me here. all right? And you can kind of read through these. So Carter, I think we have one for, with Exodus 17 here. Uh, it's on the screen. So I'm not going to really go through these. I'm just giving the, the highlight of it. Uh, the story where Moses raises his hands, uh, kind of with the staff in the air while they're fighting. If you remember that. And every time Moses' hands are in the air, the the army is winning. And if his arms come down, they start losing. It's kind of this weird thing. But Joshua is actually the one that is leading the battle there. All right, In Exodus 24, when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai uh, for 40 days, and and the Israelites go wild, and they build this kind of golden calf and all this, Joshua is actually with Moses. Like, I I don't think we always, like, see these. We, We skip over these quickly. In Exodus 33... We have Moses going out to the edge of camp to meet with God in the tent of meeting. Uh, But we see that Joshua is still his assistant here. Uh, Moses is kind of the one getting the attention. Like as he gets up to walk out there, it says all the Israelites would walk out to the edge of their tent. And they would stand there and they would watch Moses as he walks out to the edge uh, of their area. And then God would come down in a cloud. And Moses is kind of the the focus here, but at the end of this it says, and Joshua would stick around afterwards. And like we just see him showing up. In Numbers 13, Joshua is selected as one of the 12 scouts that are sent into the promised land. And him and Caleb were the ones that afterwards at the end said, no, we should be going in, we should be going after this. And everyone else was afraid. In Numbers 27, Joshua is selected by God uh, to lead the Israelites following Moses. And at this time, like, that would not be normal. Usually you would have, like, a a son or someone like that kind of carry on and things. And so, but Moses says to God, God kind of says, Moses, your time's coming to an end. And Moses is like, would you please pick somebody? Your people need somebody who will lead them. And and so then God says, I want you to choose Joshua. And then in Deuteronomy 31, Joshua takes over and is about to lead the Israelites into the long-awaited promised land. And that like brings us up to his book. Like he's actually in the story a lot before we even get to the book of Joshua. And Joshua is in his book kind of depicted as uh, Moses 2.0 in a way. Intentionally there are things that are happening that he's doing that you're supposed to see Moses, but that in a way he's almost doing a better job than Moses in some of these things. All right, like right away they kind of they part the river and they cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. right, and Joshua follows after God's commands. Uh, He is very in tune with God, following him. He has spent 40 years wandering the desert because of uh, other people's unwillingness to trust God. So it makes sense that there are some big stories in the book of Joshua trusting God in crazy circumstances. Right, like the city of Jericho, where you come up to this big city and God says, I don't want you to actually fight at all, I'm going to do all the fighting. I want you to just walk around the city. I want you to just yell and and blow trumpets. And you're like, it's a terrible military tactic, okay? Like, if you are not familiar with military tactics, this is not a good one. Usually you want some type of weapon, at least. All right? But, like, Joshua, he trusts God in a way that I think other people just didn't. And we saw that early on in his life and in his story. He reestablishes the covenant between God and his people. And we begin to actually see the promise of God, the promised land that they were supposed to be in, come to take shape underneath Joshua. And his goal is to lead people into the promises and relationship that God wants to have with them. And, and sort of the one fault, like when you look at Joshua, kind of the one fault that you can pull out with him is that he was, he was commanded to drive out the Canaanite people from the promised land. Because God did not want the Israelites to be Uh, affected and impacted and influenced by all the cultures around them. And the Canaanite culture was incredibly wicked. He said you need to drive them out, and they didn't completely drive people out. And future generations actually had to deal with those problems because of that. But that's kind of the one thing. Like when you actually look at Joshua, compared to a lot of these people that we talk very highly of, of, like King David and Moses, like Joshua actually, he did a better job on paper than these guys. Like, he just didn't really have the, some of the royal screw-ups, like, you know, David sleeping with someone's wife and then killing them. And, you know, like, you're just like he didn't have all of these things. And I think that this is, this is good for us to see this. Like, Joshua, from a practical standpoint, he just did a ton of good for God's people. All right? So why isn't Joshua put on this pedestal, like, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Solomon like these types of guys. Like he was a leader at a key moment in their history, just like those guys. Why isn't he put on the same pedestal? And we don't really know this. I'm going to kind of speculate here. But as I read through Joshua's story, like I feel like maybe this is because jo- Joshua was just so focused on God. And these other guys were too, don't get me wrong. But his story is always pointing back to God. Not, and, and like he just continually is focusing on God. And when we think about having an impact on the next generation, I think we often think that the people that will leave these big legacies, these famous people, like they are going to be the ones that have this big impact. They, they have a platform that they're on, and, and, and we think, ah, there's no way I'm going to have that big of an impact. But when, I think God is looking for more people who will walk in the footsteps of Joshua. That will just be behind the scenes, being faithful, doing what God has asked them to do, Focusing on God, pointing to God. People who will will serve in these types of ways. Because the types of legacies that we need to be leaving, the type of legacy that this next generation needs from us, isn't one that makes our name be remembered. It's a legacy that makes the name of God be remembered. That's what's important. And I think so often, when we think about this idea of legacy, It's so easy for us to bring it back to us. But we have to be pointing to God. We need to learn to deny the egotistical, worldly part of ourselves that wants our name to be remembered and to do big things and to leave big chunks of money behind to future generations and instead focus on how far can God take them. And at the end of Joshua's life, at the end of his leadership, there is this amazing little speech that he gives, kind of his final words to the Israelites uh, and the last part is a famous verse that I guarantee at least some of us in the room, you, you like have it hung up in your house somewhere on recycled barn wood or something, and it's all cute. You bought it off Etsy. All right? But like this, this whole chunk here is, is good. I, w- I want to look at this with us. It's Joshua 24, starting in verse 14. says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Right, like that last little line there, you, you've probably heard that before maybe if you've been in church or you've seen it somewhere. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is putting this out to all the people. He's saying to the next generation that follows him, hey, you have a choice. Every generation has a choice. Every person has a choice. No one can force this on you. You can follow the bad legacy from some of the people that were before you. You can follow after the world that is around you. Or you can follow after God. And as their leader, he sets the tone and he sets the example and he says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Like, this is the life of a guy who didn't care if his name was remembered. He wanted to see future generations pursuing God. And he did everything in his power to make that happen. All right, if you want to make an impact, if you want to leave a legacy that matters, this is it. It's not a personal legacy that points to your name. It's a legacy that points people to God. And all of the Israelites, in this moment, they say, we want to follow God. So Joshua says this to them, verse 23. All right then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So if you want to leave a legacy that matters, a legacy that lasts, it needs to not be focused on you but on God. And in order to do that, you have to get rid of whatever idols in your life would try and take the place. Whatever idols in your life that would point your legacy elsewhere. The fact that Joshua steps up and models this for the people is important. All right, parents in the room. Most of us would probably say we want our kids to follow after God. But when they look at your life, when your kids look at your life, when they look at your priorities and the priorities of your family, would they walk away saying that your main concern in your life is them following after God? Or would there be other priorities? Would there be other idols in your life? We can't say that we want this type of legacy, but then not step up and truly live it out like Joshua does here. You have to be willing to stand there and say, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That'll be our main focus. But then you have to take it another step further and say, okay, what idols are in my life that could hinder this, that could stop this, that could could pull this in other directions? All right, like This is my main priority for my kids. Not them working or getting into school or playing sports or getting a good jump on their future or all the different things that as parents we do think about. And those aren't bad things to think about. But when your kids look at your family's life, is this the priority? Think about your summer plans right now as a family. Think about the things you, have already, you already have on the calendar, the stuff you've already written checks for. Like, what, what is the focus of those things? All right? Are there some God-given things in your kid's life that maybe you need to take a step back and say, hey, we need to develop that. We need to develop what is happening here because we see you moving forward. We see you using this for God. We see this being something that is impactful for a long time. If you aren't a parent in the room, you don't have an out this morning. Maybe you've heard it impacting the next generation and you're like, I- I'm not a parent, this isn't for me. There have been studies and studies that show how important it is for kids and teens to have intergenerational relationships that are not their parents and not their pastor. When it comes to them living out their faith beyond high school, Relationships of teenagers and kids in this church. Like it, it matters. Parents, your job matters. Families, it matters. But it's amazing to see how much of an impact it has when you have a relationship with a kid that is not related to you, of a different generation, and you speak into their life. When I think back on my life growing up, I I took these relationships for granted. But like I remember as an eighth grader, I got my first guitar and started playing on the worship team shortly after. And there was this older guy that played acoustic guitar. He'd stand next to me. He gave me lessons. And, and we played. And I just, I don't think I actually stopped and thought about how much of an impact that had on me. That there was another adult that actually cared about me, cared about my development, cared about me pursuing God and moving in that direction. I have—it's actually sitting in one of the rooms here in the church. I have a letter from a Sunday school teacher. She was my kindergarten Sunday school teacher. Uh, she just passed away last year, and I have a card that she sent me. And I, I've hung on to it, and I've actually even hung on to the envelope, because this woman—and if, if you knew her, like it just—every inch of that card was written on, and it was covered in scripture, and it was covered in prayer, and all these things. And then beyond that, she took the envelope, and the envelope had Scripture written all over it. Like, you could not grab this thing without being just, like, assaulted by Scripture. Like, it was was everywhere, and it was amazing. And she actually sent that to me about five years ago while I was pastoring somewhere else in the state. And she still called me every year on my birthday and left this voicemail where she made up her own little birthday song about how much God loves me. And she would sing that, and I would usually purposely kind of let it go to voicemail because I wanted to be able to hang on to the recording. If I think of all the, all the people over my lifetime that have had an, an impact on me, that go beyond my family, that go beyond my pastors, like if we want to talk about this next generation, we want to talk about making a difference, Understand this, like, you matter. You absolutely matter. Maybe you need to be a youth leader. And right now you're like, no. (laughs) Maybe you need to be in the nursery. No, I've changed my diapers. You know, like, whatever it is. Understand, like, this next generation, it matters, and the relationships that you build with them matter. It does. This is why it's so important when we come together on the weekends. It's it's not just just about a service. It's not just about what can I get out of this. Like, we come together as a church because it's about more than us. All right, I, I hope, and I'm going to challenge you with this. If right now you come to church on the weeks that you need it, I'm glad you're coming on those weeks. Understand the weeks that you maybe feel like you don't need it. What if someone else needs you? What if someone else needs you sitting next to them, believing in them, praying for them, encouraging them? Like That's that's what community is. And this next generation, I'm becoming more and more convinced that almost more than anything, they need healthy community. And I'd love to say that we are modeling it for them But the reality is, is if we want to point and say, oh, they don't know how to have community and this, and they're always on phones and electronics and devices, like, where do you think they got that? Our communities are broken. They're absolutely broken. And it's so obvious. Anywhere you go. We need community. We have kids that their parents, they... They would not say that their biggest priority is, is for their children to follow God because we have kids that they come here and they're the only ones in their family that come to this church. And they desperately need adults that are believing in them, praying for them, speaking into their life. We need this. I'm excited as we continue to talk about the next generation, but like I, I wanted to take this week and just say, like, this is, this is big, this is important. You have a responsibility And we need to move beyond the shallow, selfish idea of like my name living on and me having an impact and all of that. And just say, what we need to do is just be signposts that are constantly pointing to God. And not just in words, but in action. And we need the younger generation to see us modeling this for them. Because if they don't, we can't expect them to do this. Why don't we stand across this room? There's a song that I had heard this uh this past week. Pastor Corey had sent it to me. And it actually, I was like, Man, this is this is perfect. I never heard the song before. And I was planning on just playing it, and Carrie's like, hey, how about I just learn it <laughs> and do that? I'm like, that'd be great. So what we're gonna do here in a moment is she's gonna she's gonna play through this. She's gonna sing the verses and the choruses. And, and what I want us to do is just take some time and actually read through the lyrics. This isn't really like a time where we're gonna spend time singing together. But I want you to read through the lyrics of this and like just kind of let it let it impact you. And I want you right now to spend the next just five minutes completely opening yourself up to God and saying, God, what can I be doing? What do I need to be doing? What do I need to change? Maybe. So that I can have an impact on this next generation. And it might be as simple as just every Sunday when I'm here, there's those one or two teenagers that I always kind of see, like, I'm going to go out of my way to say hi to them every Sunday and I'm going to ask them what's going on in their life and I'm I'm just going to encourage them and believe in them and speak into their life? Like, whatever it would look like, how how can you have an impact that's going to last longer than just your life? When you think about your family, maybe you can go back generations of people that have followed God, and that you have an amazingly strong foundation that you're building on. Maybe you're in the room today and you are the start of that. And that hopefully five, six, seven generations from now, when your name is forgotten, that the legacy will be that that you have a family that is chasing after God. You know, I have a little bit of that on on each side. On my mom's side, there's, there's some foundation. There's some generations there. My grandpa was kind of part of helping plant the church in Little Falls that I grew up in. On my dad's side, he was the first. And it's it's cool to see both of those and to say like, I I mean, at, at any point, your family is one generation from not being a Christian family. And at any point, your family's one generation from being a Christian family. Like, there just, there is this this idea that, like, that, it's something that can last longer than just you. So much longer than just you. So, I want to just kind of get us in that right spot and challenge us today. I'm going to close us in prayer. But I want you to kind of stop and think. Maybe you even need to talk with people in your family this week. What can you change? What do you, what do you need to change? What, what can. Make this be something that will last and continue on. And the reality is, is you, can't, you can't force things on people. Joshua may be saying, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And you may be sitting here saying, man, I wish I could say that. I wish, as for me and my family, we would serve the Lord. But the reality is, we don't live in a, a community like they did. We live in a very individualistic society. And you don't always get to make those choices, for your kids but do not downplay the importance of the choices that you do get to make you don't get to force this on people necessarily you better believe that they're watching and that there are moments that you can while kids are still under your roof that you can kind of in a way force them into certain things but it's about what type of a legacy are you leaving? Is it a legacy built on you and your name or on God? Jesus, we pray right now. Lord, that every single one of us that it, this would be so much bigger than our name, so much bigger than just us. God, that we would be focusing on on how this can last. How this can move from generation to generation God, and it's it's not a a dead faith that just goes through the motions and ticks boxes that gets passed on from one generation to the next. That type of faith dies. God, but the faith that is all-encompassing that drives everything, that makes every decision that is our number one priority, Lord, that lives it out in front of the world around us. God, that type of faith is the type that's passed on. So God, I pray that that we would take that charge seriously and that we would pursue you with everything that we have. If you're here this morning and And you've never made this type of decision, and maybe you feel like you are going to be the one in your family that's going to kind of break this chain. That's going to start the new spot, like my dad did, where it's like, all right, from here on out, our family's moving in this direction. If that's you, and you want to make that decision this morning, I want you to come and talk to me. I want to get together with you this week. I want to grab coffee. I want to talk about what does this look like? How can you actually implement this? How can you do this in a way that's going to make a difference? All right, you can write just on on the Connect card on the back. There's a spot you can tick that says, I accepted Jesus for the first time. It's one that says, I want to figure out my next steps. Both those boxes will end up with Pastor Aaron or myself contacting you and just saying, hey, let's talk about this. What does this look like? Because we can't do this on our own as individuals. This is about being a community. All right? God, I pray this week that we would be changed. God, I lift up the families in Texas right now. God, those families that are about to start summer. God, I pray that somehow they would feel your presence and your peace God, I pray that somehow you would be glorified in this. That something would come back to you and point to you. God, I just pray safety over our church this weekend. God, as we scatter, I pray that we would scatter in a way that we are doing it with purpose and intentionality to make a difference in this world. Amen.